myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn your love back And it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words then maybe it's not true Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters, the three amigos, the perfect way to kickstart your Newcastle United weekend, and uh, as always, got a good show for you, uh, with all your usual favourites, uh, big shout out to John Allen, who's uh, had better news in the last couple of days, yeah, yeah. He's, on, he's on the yeah, recovery, yeah. Uh, which is great news, and a big shout out to the uh, Chief Executive Officer at Aston Villa, yes, we'll come to you in a bit, mate. Um, <laughs> yes. Keith, let's start, though, where we should always start, with, with a bit of football, mate, and, and another comprehensive win this time against the Scouse Mackhams uh, Pickford little arms and all um, floundering like a pterodactyl in the uh, nets last night as, as goal after goal went in and uh, I think the only person who was probably a little bit down this morning was the Heed, our good mate who uh, once again had 5-1 on his betting slip only to be denied by VAR um, cost another 250 quid he hasn't won so Needless to say, I, I, I guess the heat will be taking five one on Sunday and hoping for the best. But yeah, what a performance, Keith! Amazing, amazing. <laughs> I, I was uh, working this week in the Isle of Man and uh, got on the ferry last night in Court Eight. And Johnny Allen from his hospital bed sent his um, he sent his his, his dial in. So I'm sat there in the executive lounge on the on the board coming back for four hours. And we got reprimanded twice, me and my pal, who was at the matches on Sunday, and he's coming this Sunday. We got reprimanded and told uh, people weren't happy uh, because once there was once there was an Everton supporter on the cabin, but there were some women trying to sleep, and uh, they said, you've been very noisy, uh, screaming and shouting, get in, get in. And me and my pal sat there, 61-year-old singing, we've got Bruno in the middle. In the middle of first class, so there was, there was hell on. So they said, "Look, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to be quiet or move out." And I says, "The problem is, Newcastle need to stop scoring. If they could stop scoring, we'd be fine." But it was amazing, you know. I watched the match, and uh, I don't know whether you're stuck somewhere and you're, you're not home, and you're just seeing it come on there. It was it was surreal. Um, where do I start? Longstaff and Joe Linton, like your two Trojans in the middle fighting Joe Linton. Got kicked to pieces, but he just give as much out. Um, Wilson's goal was worth going for on a tone. To say that, he just it was just surreal. Brilliant what he did there. Not a typical Wilson goal. And the, the talking point's got to be Isaac's uh, dance juggle and Thierry Henry like goal make. It was just. He doesn't get credited with an assist for that because um, it touched another player. So apparently that rules an assist out. But what he did was absolutely no, surreal. It, it, was, it was just, it was just amazing. So you won't get an assist for that, George, because uh, apparently, apparently it's got to go from him to the player to qualify for an assist. So all that juggling and dancing around and leaving people on the backsides, apparently you don't, that, that is officially not an assist. It was the best assist I've ever seen since I've been watching Newcastle. And I just I just thought, I thought, you know, 63 million sounds like a lot of money. But when you put it in perspective, it's pennies for him. And, and that to me tells me the next thing is that now we're going to get Champions League and we'll probably get third place and we probably won't have to go into the playoffs. We've got to look at players like Osserman. It's them kind of players that will take us to the next level. Because 
when you look at what we've got with Botman and what we've got with Bruno and what we've got with Isaac, you can see the quality that's available abroad for the for the money that people in this country would get for, for average players. And, and there are some good players in this, this country, but there's 60, 70 million. And when you spend 60 million abroad, you get like the kind of play you saw last night. I thought he was, I thought Isaac, when he come on, how could you make an impact to a side? But it was, it was tough for an hour. We've got lumps kicked out of us. You've got smoke bombs chucked at you before you got in. And then we just battered them. Because Newcastle just, I, I think, I think we get, I think we better when people come with us and give us a battle or try and give us a fight. But amazing. Absolutely chuffed a bit. It's never been happier supporting Newcastle. And if that's not good enough for you, you're in the wrong world and the wrong team. It was awesome. Mitch, it's, uh, it's something we've got to get used to. I keep saying it on this Ooh. show, but um, you know, performances like that, away from home, what, what did Newcastle learn from the Aston Villa game? They learned that when people come at you and have a go at you, you're defending numbers, you put the hard work and graft in, you let them blow themselves, you know, yeah. you know, blow themselves up, and then uh, you hit them on the counter attack. And um, that was that was a you know a great performance. I said early on to the lads when we're watching it that the way Everton started, they would last to about an hour. They, they came out the traps, 100 million an hour. You could see what they were trying to do, match the energy, match the match the, 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 the closing down and the hard press. But they've not been doing it all season and they don't have the fitness for that. And that was exactly what happened. They got to the yellow, they started to drop off. We brought our subs on and that was when we pulled away from them. Um, I think it was a great test um, and a great practice for going away in Europe, going away to a hostile away ground in a midweek with, with flares and with all sorts going on around you and just sticking to the business in hand. I think Eddie Howe's used that almost as a as a dress rehearsal for European nights next year. Um, I also think, again, I said this about what we did at Spurs and now what we've done at Everton. I've never seen us have a, a club come to us or go to a club where they've had internal problems that we remember from the 80s and see us put them to the sword. And we've not just done it once in a week, we've done it twice. We went there, um, we've taken advantage of their situation and we put them to the sword. No mercy. We were always the, the, the release valve. We were always the team that would rock up when you were in trouble and you needed three points that you'd get them off us when we rocked into town. We were always the team where if your striker hadn't scored in eight games, he would put one in against us. It was almost nailed on. And we're not doing that now. We're a very different beast. We're a totally different animal. We're quite ruthless. Um, and I think the situation with Isaac and, and Wilson is bringing the best out of the both of them. That goal, I've never seen Wilson score a goal like his second. At all. In his career. Can you, can you guys remember him turning around? opening his body from 25 yards and sticking it in the top corner? Because I bloody can't. Um, I didn't even know he had that in his game. Uh, so we're now seeing the best of somebody who, when he gets his opportunities, doesn't want to give it up. And that benefits everyone. Um, and I think, <sighs> Joe Linton, how does he find all the space he finds on the left-hand side? The lad's six foot odd. He's built like a cruiserweight boxer. It's not like he can hide in the corner and go, you know, Suddenly, step out with surprise. I'm here. You know, he seems to find the space on the left when he drifts out way, and and would take advantage of every moment of it. And I think 
Um, I really do like that combination on the left and centre with with uh, Joe Linton and Willick interchanging because it, it keeps the fullbacks honest. And then Isaac, what what can you say about that that dribble? I counted eight players if you include Pickford that he took out of the game at one stage or another with that, that dribble. I think it took the groundsman about an hour and a half to get two of them unscrewed from the pitch after the game. Um, and, and and then, at the end of that run, to have the situational awareness to point, if you look, he points at Wilson, knowing Wilson's on a hat-trick, and he tries to make the ball through to Wilson. As it happens, takes a deflection, therefore you don't get your assist. That's why ice hockey talk about double assists these days. Um, and so he, he knew Wilson was on a hat-trick and tried to set him up. How the hell can you do that after a run like that? That's probably world-class. World-class. I agree. Yeah, 100%. Steve, enjoy that last night? I did, yes. Very much so. Um, just listening to Keith talking there mm. and he mentioned about um, Al cheering on. Uh, that's the reason why George and I don't go to away games anymore. Youngsters like that causing chaos on travelling away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly got hoid out. Exactly. It just goes to show, I mean, we, we, there were so many things that, that you can take away. I mean, we didn't start off well, you know, first 20, 25 minutes. Um, you know, we were... I couldn't even say that we were playing within ourselves, you know. They, they were they were trying to control the game. They were trying to press. Is exactly what Mitch says. They didn't they didn't have that in their locker though. Um, we, we, we a couple of scrapes. Um, Calvert Lewin was leading the line quite well. Uh, you know things were going okay for them, and we were playing like I say within ourselves. Um, but once the once the goal went in, you know, and uh, that was it. You know, it was it was a case of. Our heads rise as their heads dropped. And uh, I mean, it was just just great. You've got to remember, it was an away performance as well. And, and Isak, I mean, we've, we've, I've mentioned it a couple of times how I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when, when he starts with Isak and Wilson together, you know. And I think before the end of the season, we will see that. Um, you know, there, there'll, there'll be occasions where Eddie will want to chop and change. He'll want to, want to try something slightly different um, as, as we move on because... You know, a lot of people said that, that we were, were being thought out or outthought um, and how was being outthought these tactics, especially after the after the Villa game. But what a reaction both from the coaching staff and the playing staff uh, to actually, you know, put in performances like they did on Sunday and then again yesterday with intensity, um, with, with panache, with style and... Exactly, Mitch. You talk about Callum Wilson, you know, you say we didn't know he had it in his locker. I thought yesterday's performance, it was one of those performances where everything went right from he showed what a centre forward is all about. He led the line, he bossed their two central defenders, he, he made space, he was left, he was right. And what a reaction to get. I mean, it's it's only what six, eight weeks ago, you know, people wanted him out the door, he was he was finished. He couldn't hit Bond door from 10 yards. He's my top goal scorer sitting there on 13 goals. Um, he's reacted in exactly the way that you'd want a professional footballer to act, exactly the way that Eddie Howe would want him to react. And, you know, you've got to take your hats off to, to Wilson because the pressure was on. Isak, you know, £65 million we paid for him. He's looking for it. But you know what? 
let's get them in together sometime, Eddie. That's what I'm waiting for. And then maybe we'll go beyond the six. Maybe we'll get the sevens and the eights and the nines that some of our performances are deserving. George, another great result, mate. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Talk about oh, bounce amazing. back ability. You know, after the after the cup final, we went on that wonderful run, um, and then we, yeah. you know, we, we do a typical Newcastle. We go to Villa, a game you you want to win. We get absolutely, you know, spanked three nil by a team that's chasing us. But this is a different Newcastle, isn't it? This is a this is a completely different yes. beast of a team because the you know the motivation and the coaching is there from Eddie Howe. But in that dressing room, we've got some big characters, Dan Byrne, Kieran Trippier, uh, to name two, who just, you know, they've got it. They've got what it takes. And, and, and for me, that performance again showed it last night. And we fear nobody home or away. No, it, it was it was amazing all over the pitch. Um, there's so many things I would like to talk about. Um, the Isaac run, I haven't seen a dribble like that since the days of Bobby Mitchell. And because and he, he did beat eight or nine players, but he, he did a typical Bobby Mitchell at one stage and went back and beat two of them again. He did it, he did it, he did it all over again. The only difference is he did it at 100 miles an hour. Poor Bobby could hardly do 30 miles an hour when he was doing that, where Isaac did it at 100 miles an hour. And that's that didn't surprise me one bit that they're comparing with Thierry and Henri because that's the pace he's got, that's the skill he's got. And it is world-class, there's no doubt about it. And to have the awareness, Neil's already said it, to get to that byline and actually be looking for your mate who's on a hat-trick and try and get it to him was just unbelievable. That, that's the extra bit that makes... It makes the 63 million look peanuts now. Uh, to be perfectly honest already. And we'll, and as the seasons go on, the years go on, he, he'll pay with back that 10 times over if he keeps playing like that. That was absolutely outstanding. Callum Wilson. Well, Callum Wilson's done, as, as you've already said, the lads. He's reacted like a proper professional should. He either was out the door going somewhere else or he was going to get it all together. And by Jove, he's got it all together. He was a proper centre-forward last night in the Everton centre-halves. Just didn't know what to do with him, to be perfectly honest. And uh, he, he, his uh, second goal was was well, just out of this world. It was better. It was top drawn, and uh, no goalkeeper in the world was going to save that one. So that's great. In other things, I wish to God that sort out this offside rule. That Char's goal was one of the nicest goals you've seen in a long time. And he had to wait till after he celebrated to discover that somebody had been off, Dan Byrne had been offside. Why didn't the Ryzen put his flag up as soon as he seen Dan Byrne was offside? Because he's not allowed to. He's got to wait till the, the ball goes back into another phase, as they call it. Well, Shaw, Shaw could have injured himself. Pickford could have been injured in, in the shot on goal. All sorts of things could have happened. All for the sake of doing what's right, in my opinion, offside. You're offside. Put the bloody flag up. That's all you need to do. But they don't. They're going to play this silly game of uh, one phase, two phases, three phases before the player that's got the ball goes into the uh, into the net, and that, and that just irritates me greatly. However, um, add on to that the players coming in who who um, didn't you wouldn't have guessed they'd been missing. Um, I mean, it was great. The other interesting thing was uh, when Dan Byrne came on. 
was that um, I heard Dermot Gallagher on the ref watch, I think it was this morning, saying he hoped the referee in that game thanked Dan Byrne for the way he helped them to control the game because there were two flare-ups because of their nastiness. And Dan, especially one one uh, hack of uh, and, uh, Bruno, where our lads were going to get upset. And Dan Byrne just collected them all together in his big arms and pushed them to one side and took them away from the Everton players to stop any any uh, aggravation uh, breaking out. And Dermot Gallagher said it. He said, well, I hope the referee thanked him at the end because he saved them a lot of hassle doing that. Um, and there's lots of other things like that. What the, These things show that the energy that's it's in our team and, and the response that's in the team for each other and that's absolutely fantastic. It, it, it's got to be uh, um, praiseworthy from, from any point of view. And the uh, the other um, uh, thing for me is is that um, this we're getting kicked. They're, they're trying to kick. Some of them are trying to kick out of the game. And uh, Julian, particularly, but you know he, he's big enough to look after himself. I mean, uh, Neil's right. He built like a cruiserweight cruiserweight uh, boxer um i wouldn't like to, to get on the end of a right hook from him i tell you he's, he's such a such a big bloke and a and, and handy bloke so it, it, it's all going right forward in it, in it. however I, I refer to the words of sean dice afterwards i don't know if you've heard him say that do you realize that seven or eight of those players in that newcastle team when they came here last year were getting booed by their own fans were getting hassled by their own fans. And look at them now. And all he said was, that's hard work. That's what we all need to do. So there's Sean Dice saying, you know, Ellie Howe's done it. We've got to try and copy it. And I, I thought that was real praise from a fellow professional uh, in, in, in every sense of the word. And, and, and Sean Dice is known both. I mean, let's face it, been in the game a long time. So that, that all adds to me to make it, um, how interesting it all is and how uh, how fantastic what, and what tribute to, it to, to, to us as a, as a team. And I, I'm enjoying every minute, as you can see. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Uh, what was uh, what was your thoughts, Keith, on Matt Target's uh, comeback? I thought he was I thought he was good last night. I thought he tired towards the end. I thought Miggy, you know, just looked that little bit short of match fitness because the the standards Newcastle have got this season are so high that when someone looks like they're slightly slightly out of sorts, then they, they do stick out. But I, I felt Matt Target had a, a, a decent enough game last night. It was good to see him back in for me. He was he was tidy, but he, 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 if you bring anybody in, I mean, like Maxi's somewhere, and he's got you know to try and get back that squad. And when you look at the way when you look at the performance levels that Pickett's in there, I think it's getting harder and harder for for any player to come off the benches from the fringes. And I, I, I'll I'll surprise you, like Murphy, he's he's achieved and reached the level now where subs coming in have got to get the levels he's playing at, and and. Michael Owen, not my most favourite player, made a good point last night when he was uh, commentating at the end. He said, he said, you know, this Newcastle side, if you're a forward, it looks like you score two goals and you get dropped. And that's happened to Isaac last week. And he says it'll probably happen to Wilson tomorrow on Sunday because he'll probably, Wilson gets two, he'll probably drop him on Sunday. Put Isaac back in. He says, it's like you've got to get a hat-trick to keep your place. Now, when you bring someone off the bench, think how long uh, our young boy Miggy's been out. 
he's all about pace and pressure and push and fitness. So he's obviously going to be rusty. Target's been out a long time. Um, and, and you know, and, and the likes of Richie and them, he puts them on, they're getting older. And when they're coming on, they're playing against, they're playing with the team of whippets. These, these people are so fit. You know, they like the miles that Sean Longstaff and Joe Linton are getting through is surreal. But last night, when, when Willock went round the wing and chipped that ball over to Joe Linton, you know, he skinned them. And, and it's not what I would say is his natural game. I always think his natural game is tucking just inside and not going down the wing. He went down the wing like a pure left winger, like Isaac did. So all the players are now doing more. They express themselves more. They're running more because they know if they don't, they won't get in. So Matt Target, well done. Miggy, well done. And it's, it's a, Steve, it's a hard team to get in. It's a hard team to keep getting picked for every week. You know what I mean? And, and I, think, I think he's rightfully rotated for the Champions League. Yeah, he's getting into the mood of uh, Champions League football. There's no doubt about that. Matty Target, though, was he was a good player for us last season, Mitch. You know what I mean? And um, to see him, just to see him back in a black and white shirt because you know I've, I've championed him a bit on this show. I looked, I loved to see him get a, an opportunity, and, and and he did. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and you know, I don't think he let himself down at all. I thought he had a decent game. No. Not at all. I think for an hour he was spot on. Looked like he'd never really been away, but then once the the, the, the tide this set in. Um, he took one for the team with, a, with, with the pull on Iwobi because he knew he was done, and and that but that's being professional as well, you know. And so um, I don't think it fault much of what he did. I thought his delivery from some of the corners he took was quite, was quite good as well. And again, gives you another option to Trippier. Not not the whole weight then is not on Trippier's shoulders every time we get a dead ball. Um, and and yeah, you look. You look Relatively comfortable for most most of the time on the pitch. Miggy, what frustrated me about Miggy was his first touch was off. I thought last night, too often his second touch was a tackle, um, and that that's obviously rustiness. He relies on high energy. He's always going to have high energy. You've got. I'd hate to see somebody give him a can of Red Bull. God knows what you would do. Like. <laughs> um, can you imagine. <laughs> give him, give him, give him some blue smarties and a can of Red Bull. Jesus, we wouldn't see him for a fortnight. Um, well, that energy but, you know, available. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he, he, um, you know, but that that was what frustrated me about him last night. He just looked that little bit off in terms of his first touch. Um, yeah. But he always seems more comfortable when he's surrounded by Bruno and, and, and Trippier on that right hand side. Um, and and so look at easing them back in is not a not a bad way to do it, is he? He did a job. He as a as a team we did a job. That first hour we really had to battle that through. And like I said before, it felt very much like to me like preparation for going to horrible places in Europe every now and again. It, it had that same kind of vibe, and was certainly more than passed the test. Steve. Uh, you know, again, it just shows the strength and depth. And I think somebody put the point up uh, earlier on. I can't find it now, but they said, you know, at the start of the season, we were saying, you know, we, we lacked strength and depth. But yet, fast forward to the back end of the season, the business end, and now everyone's saying we've got strength and depth. And that's down to Eddie Howe because he's transformed the likes of Joe Linton at the start of the season, Almiron at the start of the season. Now, I heard it said on an interview the other day, like to, to Jacob Murphy, this is his time now. He's now mm. grasped the opportunity he's got in. Joe yep. Willock, who I think we've all been scratching my head going, where's the Joe Willock that, that turned up at Newcastle and banged in seven goals in a row? Uh, where's he when Where's that lone player gone? Yes, he's been doing a lot of work, but not getting the breaks. The last yep. couple of games, 
he's looked unplayable. He's looked like he's looked like a you know. My dad said the day he came, he came around with a cup and he said to us, "You know what, Steve?" He said, "The biggest compliment I, I can pay uh, Joe Willock is that he's looked every inch like Bruno um, in the last couple of games." And I, I got where he was coming from. That ball he put in last night, which Class. you know he played with with his with his other foot. We have Quality. to add, not not his usual yes. foot, his Pass. other foot, which which led with the bullet header. Wow, I mean, it, it was just amazing. But i you know, it's the Matt Target situation. It's strength and depth. We've been crying out for it. People saying we're gonna we need a left back. Probably do in the summer. But great to see him being able to be part of it. Eddie having the faith to start him, and then obviously hooking him and bringing Dan Burn on when he needed to. But just just great great to see him back in the team. He deserved it for everything he did for us last season. Yeah, I think people forget that you know when a player's out for a long time for the injury, tend to forget how good that player was. And and Matt Target was a very, very good fullback. We paid fifteen million pounds for him. And I think to a man, every Newcastle United supporter was desperate to make sure when it looked as though we weren't going to sign him permanently, that you know the, the pressure was on in Newcastle United to, to actually get get his name uh, permanently inked as a as a Newcastle United player. And and then all of a sudden he's injured, Dan Byrne comes in, Dan keeps his place and in a in a position that he's not uh, naturally suited to as well. Although I do believe, by st- uh, statistically, he actually played more games as a left back for Brighton than he did um, as a central defender, which I've, I've, I heard that last night, and that that quite surprised me. But uh, yeah, I think we, we, we tend to have short memories when a player's out injured, and we also forget in target with with them being out for so long that naturally he's going to tire, especially at the pace that Newcastle United play and the pace that that Everton tried to match us with and. They tried their best, but they didn't have the quality. And as Mitch said, it's not the sort of game that they aspire to play normally. That's not their normal style. So they're naturally tired, as well as naturally not understanding how to play the game. It was with Everton. It's it's just like hit and rush, isn't it? It's just it's just hit and rush, hit and run, kick the ball, hope for the best. Newcastle is like it's totally different. It's it's it, it was. Contained, it was it was well structured. It had a purpose. The passes, the movement off the ball. Whereas they they tend to when they did run, they tend to run into blind alleys and things like that. But I've been a, a critic of Eddie Howe earlier in the season, and I've said it many times on here that one of the one of the disappointing aspects of of Eddie was his game management, his ability to bring substitutes on at the right time, his his, his lack of substitutions. That's part of the game that's evolved as the season's gone on. As he's got to know his squad an awful lot more, as they've developed things in training, as he's created a style, as players like Isak have come back fit and Wilson have come back fit, it's allowed him to to, to suddenly become adaptable um, in his in his style of play, in in what he was looking for, and for to get the, get it all that blend. And now he's making the right substitutions at the right time. We always said that that that. The difference between, say, I'd say a Murphy and and a and a Saint Maxima at the start of the season was always said, Eddie Howe trusted Murphy. I don't think he ever trusted ASM to do, yeah. to get what he wanted out of a ninety-minute game in the style that he wanted the game to to progress. And it, it, I think that perhaps Eddie was also lucky that the injuries to ASM meant that he could then. He could then really, really stamp the style of football and get that embedded into a group of 14, 15 players. 
And then he has that that gifted and talented player in ASM that he can bring in and 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 create the havoc. Whether we'll ever see that uh, as the season progresses, I'm not too sure because I think Eddie's one of those managers that when he gets a style, he'll stick to it. Um, so I'm, I'm sure as the as the as as we start talking about future games, um, whether ESM's injury troubles will see will mean that we don't see him for the rest of the season, or whether we're, we're, it's not going to be for another three weeks, by which time he's just thrown in, or, or whether he's he, he even has a, a future at Newcastle United. All of these are are great conversations that we're going to have over the next few weeks and then into the summer, um, as Newcastle United qualify for the Champions League. And as, as Keith says, start to go into that higher echelon of, of signing and quality, top quality with experience. None of our, I don't think any of our squad have got the experience of Champions League other than than, than Kieran Trippier, where he probably played in the Champions League for for uh, the, the team in Spain that he was involved with, you know. So um, it's, it's all great stuff, it's all exciting. George, Matt Target, good to see him back. Yeah, definitely. And uh, left back was a position I played quite a lot in it uh, when I was playing, and uh, understand it a fair bit. And uh, I've always liked Mac Target's position. Uh, plus, he, he, he's uh, his uh, judgment on overlapping and when to support the winger and that sort of thing. I think is uh, is very good indeed. Almost as good as Trippier actually. And I do do agree with the lads saying it was good to see somebody else having a go at a set piece not just uh, Kieran Trippier all the time. And it, it does offer a different change. So, yes, I was uh, delighted to see Matt uh, come back uh, and, and have what I thought was a, a very reasonable game for somebody who's uh, been missing for quite a while. Um, and it'll boost him, of course. You know, getting back on the pitch is what he wants. And, and now we, now we'll see it. Um, other than that, I mean, uh, he's, he's for me, um, if we get another left back, He's always going to be competition for whoever comes in for me, because I, I think he's he's still he's still at that quality. Um, and uh, uh, the interesting thing is that taking taking the dead ball, of course, is uh, is one of the one of the reasons that the Aston Villa manager wanted rid of him because he he brought that uh, dingy or whatever they call him from Everton specifically to take dead balls. Uh, and and Matt Target was was the dead ball taker, so we we got the benefit of that. So um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I enjoyed uh, Matt Target coming back in. I agree with the lads; he tired a little bit, but so allowed Eddie to put Dan Byrne back on, and and he had made a contribution as well. So um, yeah, it it all adds to the togetherness for me as well. Yeah. Okay, great stuff. We are uh, half an hour into the show. As always, we've got plenty to get through. DIMF first. Yeah, Matt, we're asking you to send in photographs of you with somebody from Newcastle United, both past and present. Um, this one is an unknown. I found this in, uh, I, I obviously get these sent these and, and save the files. It's Kevin Keegan. I've got no idea who he's with. 
So uh, if that's you, there you go. Thanks for sending us it. Whenever you send us it, I've got no idea. But thanks for sending us. Um, the funny thing is that um, I then found this one, and that's Barry Hogan, oh. who does the fans forum. Yeah. And when I sent it to Barry, asking if that was Barry, he went, no. <laughs> and then two minutes later, he said, yes, that's me. So uh, I presume he was the person on the left. Uh, but yeah, Kevin Keegan again. So uh, thanks for that, Barry. Uh, he must have sent us that a few blue moons ago. But uh, anyone's got any photographs uh, of uh, themselves with people past or present in Newcastle United, send them in just so I can play the music to annoy everybody. Before I forget, uh, last week, um, talking about annoying people, um, we do have comments section underneath the video. So if you missed the show and you, you don't get a chance to watch us live, then you obviously have the opportunity to leave a comment under the video, uh, which is quite good. I do read them all and um, I reply to them if there's anything in there relevant. Um, Derek Platten, last week, I've got to wish, well, I shouldn't wish, I'm not going to issue an apology. Keith Patterson has to issue an apology. Uh, Keith, listen to this. I'm about to turn off. How disrespectful to be stuffing your face while supposedly putting out an entertainment video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not happy. He's not happy. <laughs> well, to be honest, to be honest, I went up. I went up to see me. Um, I went up to see me father-in-law before, and he goes, "Are you doing the show tonight?" The amigos. I went, "I." He says, "I last week keep us having his tea, wasn't he?" <laughs> and that's what reminded us about the comments of Derek. Just to put it just just put perspective, I was in hospital with two people last week. Yeah, and I got home yeah. at about ten to five. And the taxi was outside seven o'clock. So someone tell me how I can get in the taxi, eat, and get out by doing it. Like, and, and I just sit there and think, like, it's easy. Sometimes it's easy. The people who say, "Look, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to show," but you do it. You do your bit. You don't get paid for it. You do it just from you know from your for the crack for the looks. So they are Derek. The there's his, ex there's so, his explanation. So, so Derek, if I've upset you, I'm sorry, but really, I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You've upset them again now. <laughs> I did address it though, Derek. So at least you can't say that we didn't address it. Um, I'm going to ask you another question, lads, and similar one from 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 a couple of people. Yeah, and I've got a separate one for George, roughly on the same thing. But Alan Little says um, one thing that I've been thinking today is: Are the current squad of players and the way they perform, pressing, fitness, etc., are they better than the entertainers? I know it might be too early to compare. And somebody else um, can combine all of these questions. Uh, Funko Freddy says: Does anybody think that we could be the new Invincibles? within the next couple of years. And I think that was it um, on the entertainer section. So, yeah, look, uh, again, my dad popped round for a couple of the day. Me and him had this conversation. And my dad said after Manchester United, that is the best match he has seen, best team performance he has seen at St. James's Park ever as a Newcastle fan. And my dad goes back to 1962 as a supporter. So my dad said is that is the best game he has ever seen at St James's Park, the best performance he's seen from start to finish. And he's and, and that to me says that they are better than the entertainers. 
Um, so, for, for me personally, I've, I've got to agree the football I've seen from this team is far better. Um, and I think it's because defensively we're more we're more of a defensive unit, but we've still got the attack and press that the entertainers had. So what's your thoughts, Keith, on on this? Are we I, is it too early to compare? I think I think it's easy to compare because I think the entertainers had the benefit of buying two mega strikers, you know, like two of the top strikers in the country, Shearer and Ferdinand. Um, or you can go back to the Andy Cole days, and then you can think of putting our sprayers in and people like that. So the entertainers was really the real deal. It was like when all the spending was finished. So when you look at the entertainers, that was the team that was going to win us the title. And that was, that was you know, in the day, that was some mega, mega signings. But when you look at this team, we're not there yet. This team is, we, we, you know, we've, we've, we've bought three gems, Bruno Botman and, uh, and Isaac. But we've, we've still got nine people who featured against Spurs in that fixture that we're playing under Steve Bruce. So, so, so for me, this team's outperformed because they haven't, you know, they, they, they're not, this isn't the finished article. But I think some of these people have brought themselves into that forum. And I think some of these players aren't supposed to be in the forum and aren't supposed to be performed, but they've, they've just thought, well, this is my chance. This is my chance to stake a, a, a place. So I think these people are outperforming the entertainers in terms of what we've paid for them, what background they brought in and what they've achieved. And I think these are harder to beat. I think this, these, I think, I think Howe's coaching these people as well I've ever, ever seen the team coach because they had to beat. And if you didn't believe that, watch the first hour against Seven last night. It kicked seven kinds of shite out of us. And all Newcastle did was just kept going and going and going and going. And they wouldn't be knocked off the ball. You know, they butchered Spurs. They batted money like, like Steve's dad says at home. And, and this, this team is special. But you know, once, once we get third place, what will happen is we'll go out and buy three players of the ilk of Burn Botman and, and, and Isaac. You know, we'll, we'll go and buy three top dollar players. And then you've got six diamonds. We've probably got about nine. It's being a book themselves, like Willow, like Murphy, like all these people. Gonna do it, so I just don't think anybody can question this squad. And I think, in terms of the completeness, I think the entertainers were more complete with they signed all the people they wanted to sign. This is this is a moving target. This is a this is an ongoing project. And I think this this team, before it gets to the level the entertainers got to, it's got two more years of buying. Judge it then, and I think it'll have outpassed the entertainers considerably. But, but for effort and and you know, some of the players you put in there, I, I think I think this this team's as good as anything I've ever seen at Newcastle in terms of the spend and the results. Mitch, you're nodding away there. Yeah, look, look I've, I always find it difficult to, to compare teams across eras because the football's very different. You know, you 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 you, you want to talk about the Brazil 1970 team and how they'd fare now and. You know, talk about Leeds, you know, when they were winning everything. You know, talk about the Liverpool team of the 70s. It, it, it's very, very difficult to compare across eras. One thing I would say is this squad are better athletes than the entertainer. 100%. There's no doubt about that. Def definitely. Um, Philip Albert is not in the quilted camel tap, trying to tap everybody up. Uh, Warren Barton isn't in there biting my exes on the arse. Um, Peter Beardsley isn't in there 
rounding everybody up at the end of the evening, trying to get them all home. You know, um, these are the very different beasts. They work hard, they play hard, and they are far better athletes. Um, does that make them better players? Not necessarily. One thing I do think is with the right signings, this squad has unlimited potential. And I don't say that lightly. On the evidence of the last few weeks, um, I'm still convinced that Villa was a combination of that was our knackered phase. We needed a little bit of home comfort after the three games on the road and Emery worked out a way to, to match with. And they're really the only side that's matched with in terms of athletic ability this season, in my opinion. Um, I think with the right signings, this squad has unlimited potential and can go and do whatever they want to do. Um, and I think we're just seeing the embryonic start of something. Um, we... I've never seen 20 minutes of football. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I've said it on three different shows now. Uh, that 20 minutes against Spurs, I've never seen 20 minutes of football match like that. Ever. Anyway. That was pure decimation. No mercy. What we did last night to Everton, um, between Willock and Isaac, they took apart the right back and the centre back who both went to Everton for 30 million quid plus each and made them look I'm not even going to say ordinary awful, poor you know um, we've got players who've got levels of skill that I think we're still just tapping the surface of and you combine that with the mentality that anyhow is created within the dressing room um, there's a mindset in there which, again, I don't think I've ever seen it castigated before. Uh, and I feel very lucky. We got a little insight into it when we were crossing the uh, You suddenly realised what was going on. We suddenly realised how tight that squad and the management and the owners are together. Um, we suddenly realised why. Uh, Murphy was getting all the love within the dressing room he was getting. There's the kid's box office. He's got a lovely lad in so, so many different ways. And to see him reap the reward by putting the ball in the back of the net now and the way he's loving it as a, as a boyhood Newcastle United fan um, is exceptional. And there's so much more to come. It's in their hands. Do you want it? How badly do you want it? And who do you want around you? Who do, who do you want? I think when it comes to selecting the signings, they're definitely wanting to keep a certain calibre of player on and off the pitch because that dressing room needs to be fostered and nurtured and allowed to grow Um in terms of mentality, commitment and desire, as well as the ability on the pitch. And, and I genuinely think there is unlimited potential. Um, will they surpass the entertainers the first time they win something? Of course they will. Steve, 
the entertainers, Eddie Howe, somebody asked a question about Eddie Howe, is it time to call him one of the greatest managers we've had? But again, I mean, or does he need to win something? It's um, Comparisons are always going to be there. Um, you know, I think in the past, one might have looked at this as a bit of a, you, you could have looked at it as an Alan Pardew season, I would call it, where it's a one-off and then Newcastle are suddenly back to where they should be in, in the eyes of other football supporters. But this is a completely different feeling. This is a, this is a team that's got a good mixture of youth and experience and a, a, a hell of a coach, good owners who haven't really opened the purse strings yet because they've been very careful and wise with the financial fair play. Um, <laughs> I think I think they're probably getting there. You know, it's going to be hard for the entertainers to take, but I think they're going to be usurped. Yeah, they are. Eventually, they will. But two different two, two different situations, isn't it, Steve? You, you, if you go back to Keegan here, Keegan is a manager. An ex-player, he came in, there was the romance, there was the love affair that we already had with Kevin, and then what he did, taking us from from what was basically rock bottom to to, to being up there as as with the with the name itself, the entertainers. You know, that, that was the name that was given. Then you had the romance sort of 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 Sir Bobby coming back. Eddie Howe coming in as manager was totally different. Eddie Howe came in, we didn't know Eddie Howe from Adam. In terms of any relationship with Newcastle United, he was he was previously a manager at, at Bournemouth. Um, he'd done quite well there. He hadn't been involved in in football for a couple of years. He'd gone out and learned his trade, apparently. Um, and according to the press, he wasn't even my first choice. He came in. Do you remember the start he had? Um, you know, nine, ten games. We, we, we he couldn't buy a win. Um. And then all of a sudden something clicked and it was it was very much a case of Eddie, as he said, if you remember when he came in, I'll, I'll give it 10 games and that's when I'll suss out who's who in my squad, what we're, what we're going to do. It all clicked after that, after the cup game and, and we've never really looked back. Um, this, the, the, the game that we play is totally different to the entertainers. We play fast, we play strong, we play on the break. I don't think the entertainers played on the break in the manner that we did. Yes, we had it. We always had an outlet ball in Gillespie, for example, or we had an outlet ball um, with with Ginola. Uh, we had two dual strikers in it, whether it was uh, Shearer and Ferdinand, or whether occasionally you would have Amiobi slotted in there later on. Um, and we had Duncan Ferguson at one point at, at, at the later stages, which was after the entertainers. But the, the, there's a there's that crossover period. Um, but I think I think this team's has uh, got to agree 110% with much what Mitch said. They're fitter, they're stronger, uh, more athletic. The game is different. The, the style of football is different. Um, the power that that players have. The oppositions are different as well. The oppositions we we've, we've, we we shouldn't we shouldn't forget that we've. We're playing really, really top class players as well. The opposition are all top class. They're top class clubs with with good managers, um, doing their doing their trying to trying to compete. The pressure, it, it, I think, is far greater now than it was. Um, you can tell that by the fact that ten managers, I think it is, in the Premier League have lost their jobs this season. You know that that's 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 how the game's evolved. That's the sort of pressure. And Eddie Howe's risen to all of that. He's risen to all of that and he's created a very, very good football team who is playing, I think, some of the most exciting football that I've seen at St. James's Park in many a long while. I loved watching the entertainers, but what I'm seeing here is 
the, the start, I think, of something really, really special. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying going into St. James's Park. I sat there flabbergasted in the first 21 minutes. Couldn't believe what I was looking at. Nobody else around me could believe it. The hand slapping, the, the hugs that everybody was giving each other, the look of sheer joy and shock that was on everybody's faces during that game last weekend. Um, and then you could see it. I mean, it wasn't... The, the game the other night, very, very professional. Last night's game, very, very professional. Sometimes we didn't get performances like that under under Keegan, but I think I think it's Keegan was gung ho, Eddie Howe's controlled, managed, and it, it the team performs the way he wants it to perform as per a script. Keegan was very much there's the script, rip it up, go go out lads, and then I'll let you know how you how you're doing at half time, and we'll try and sort it among ourselves. That's the way that, they, and that was the romantic side of, of Kevin, which we all loved, and that, that's what I. Are we gonna? Are we gonna see? Are we seeing something special? Yes, we are. I'm comparing. I'm comparing a blend of apple with another blend of apple, and I can't decide which apple I, I prefer the best. Which one's the sweetest? Which one's the nicest? It just depends on what I've previously eaten, I think, and that's the, that's the, that's where it is with 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 the comparing the entertainers with comparing these guys. You know, it's uh, depends on your mood, I think, Steve. <laughs> George, somebody's saying that we shouldn't be comp- You know, why compare? We should just enjoy. Uh, but I mean, it's, it, it's nature, isn't it, to compare? And right. you know, at the moment, you know, from our perspective, it's 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 just great, yeah. isn't it, just to sit and watch. Absolutely. I mean, uh, how many times on the various platforms I come on have people come and said, well, you know, who's your favourite player and all that sort of thing? And it's always difficult to, uh, um, to do that. Then I, I stop at Jackie Milburn because for me, he was the first athlete for me. Jackie Milburn was using weights and doing all sorts of exercises that the other players like Frank Blen and Bobby Mitchell thought he was bloody crackers. <laughs> uh, but that was Jackie got all that off his professional sprinting uh, trainers, not from the football trainers, and and that's what made him different. You have a look at the old photographs when they won the cup, the pictures in the dressing room. The only bloke with his uh, getting pictures taken with his shirt off in those days was Jackie Milburn, because none of the others had a six pack. <laughs> they had a brown nail, but not as. Um, so yeah, it is difficult to compare. But I go back to what your dad said to you, Steve. I think if you recall, after the Manchester game, I too said that that was the best game I've seen since the entertainers. And I've got to say, add that to the first 45 minutes against Spurs. That 45 minutes is one of the best 45 minutes of football I've seen anyway. With any teams, not just Newcastle United. That's how I I put that first 45 minutes. It was just unbelievable. The skill levels, the, the pace, the, 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 the defensive skills. Uh, you know, there were, there were things that went on that people just have glossed over. I mean, there were four crunching tackles by Dan Byrne, who'd been getting pelters recently because, because of his play at left back, that were important to that game. And one of them led to the to the brilliant goal uh, by Isak from 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 Willick's uh, pass. It was a Dan Burn tackle that started that off. So, so it's all round, and I've not seen that uh, ever at, at, at Newcastle United. And certainly, um, 
puts them up there with the entertainers as being the best for me. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's not difficult to uh, to get there because they're just doing they're just doing extra. It's it's a it's amazing that uh, it's it, it's doubly amazing when you think as Keith said it that the nine lads in that squad that faced Tottenham had Bruce Ball for two years and have survived it. I mean. It, the other, the other, some of the other things that, that run through my mind. Um, Jacob Murphy, how long did Rafa wait to get him from Norwich? Ages and ages and ages. Rafa was determined to have him. The only trouble is, when he came, he ended up with bloody Bruce, you know, uh, not developing him at all or anything else. And and same with Shah. Rafa, Rafa brought Shah for, for next to nothing. What a player he's been turned down. Thanks, thanks to uh, to Eddie Howe. So there's, there's so much extra going on, and I reckon uh, with two or three really good signings in the summer, and I'm not even thinking about big money signings. I want them to do what they did before: go and find another Isak, another um, Dan Burn, another um, you know the the, the, the signings that they they made and brought in very quietly. And weren't really big money signings. Let's have two or three more of them. And I, I reckon our our um, talent spotters seem to have the skill for that. Uh, but more importantly, Eddie, Eddie Howell want players that will fit in. And if we get that, I think we're in for a for a, a fantastic couple of years, if not more. Me too. Okay, uh, halfway through the show, almost. Uh, I'm going to go with tweet of the week. <laughs> Plenty of tweets we had to do. Have that many we had to do. Some uh, Jordy's here. Jordy's there midweek. Uh, so got rid of most of the Spurs ones. Uh, technically, miss uh, the missing sausages are still in the fridge. A <laughs> uh, little bit, little bit of artwork here. Van Gaal Neron. Very good. Oh my God. Good likeness as well. Not a lookalike. Van Gaal Neron. Um, just want to congratulate Wrexham on their promotion, especially their owners. Weird how no one ever mentions how many people Deadpool has executed, though. It's one roof for Newcastle and another for the other. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Two Poles was absolutely buckled at the stadium-wide announcement. The people outside the ground saying their card readers are broken and to go to Tesco Express if you want to get cash out. Classic. Great, oh. great, great bit of advertising. It sucks when I read, read as read and not read. So I have to re-read read as read so I can read, read correctly and it can make sense. See, I can't even do it. Anybody else want to have a go? <laughs> Steve Hasty, you're usually good at these. No, I can't even see it, man. <laughs> Very good. Well, I, did, I, did, I did like that. No, no I'm not going to ask you, George. That would have been, that would have been bad crap. Jonathan Anderson, sounds like a made-up player after 20 seasons of championship manager. Uh, Ica Bravo, it does actually, doesn't it? Yeah, it does sound like one of those championship manager players. Uh, another one back in time as well. If you remember this, don't forget to take an Ivy Pro from Freya back today. <laughs> Lots of uh, big fuss about the alert um, that came through at St James's Park on most people's phones on Sunday. Uh, David Stevenson got his. <laughs> on his old Nokia. And hippos can run faster than humans on land and swim faster than humans in water, which means the bicycle is your only chance of beating a hippo in a triathlon. 
Always plenty of good advice on Twitter. Uh, someone just got served this Guinness in Low Fell. I just wanted to get your views uh, on that, uh, Mitch. Hell is that? That is, whoever served that, there's a special place in hell waiting for them. Yeah. <laughs> that is, looks like a laddie. Uh, nothing else. Looks awful. It does look awful. Uh, thanks, Ian Hull, as usual. Magic Mike grossed 167 million. If you still think girls like dad bods, keep dreaming, pal. Simon replied, <laughs> Shrek grossed 484 million, just so we're clear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, somebody's bin this week. I identify as a green bin. <laughs> Those of you who played on a Sunday will understand this one. Old Sunday League oh. player. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Thought that was needs, needs a lesson on how to head the ball. And uh, the Spurs fans were uh, tweeting about getting to level seven. <laughs> coming down again. Uh, it was easier coming down the slip down them banisters quick enough, didn't it? Husband, what's for dinner? Wife, nothing. Husband, we had nothing last night. Wife, I know I made enough for two days. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and you'll, you'll be careful out there. Just saw an undercover K9 using binoculars. <laughs> this was classic James Melville police are investigating a suspicious incident on a motorway they would like to contact Mr Wiley Coyote to assist them with their investigation <laughs> and uh, thanks for this one Mark Byers is there any air fryer that can handle a family of eight Tom McDonald replied take it easy Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> that caused a right yeah, stir, by the way, because loads of people reacted. Loads of people reacted to that. I'm not being funny. People will go mad about cereal. I tell, I tell, I tell you what, that wouldn't bother Mark Byers one jot. <laughs> no, well, I'm telling you now, there's a lot of people. A lot of people just started going bonkers about serial killers and that kind of thing. So there, there was a uh, there was a bit of a bit of flack flying around. It didn't bother Mark. Right? No, it definitely didn't bother Mark. <laughs> Uh, anyway, on with the uh, on with the tweets. Uh, this one, uh, worth the tweet of the week, says Tim Cairns. Daddy, what did you do to help save the planet? Uh, I jumped on a snooker table and let off orange dye everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and when you unexpectedly show up at the Olympic Games, ta-da! That's class, that. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Cairns with this one as well. What is the chances of uh, having intimate relationships with 20 blind women? <laughs> <laughs> Jailed, a man with stammer. Uh, Judge rules he's unlikely to complete his sentence. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. And I saw a man going uphill with a trolley full of horseshoes, four-leaf clovers and rabbit's feet. I thought, wow, he's pushing his luck. Oh, God. <laughs> man. And Batman's recurring nightmare. Uh, Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne eating his head. <laughs> Thanks, Ian, for all your stuff this week. Thanks to Dunnell. At a couples counselling meeting, the speaker mentioned that couples are so disconnected that 85% of husbands don't know their wife's favourite flower. Paddy turned to his wife and whispered, it's self-raising, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Pretty sure this is how Cocaine Bear really started. That's funny, that. <laughs> yes. 
And did you hear Julie Andrews will no longer endorse cheap lipstick, lads? Well, it crumbles easily and it makes her breath smell. She explained, the super colour fragile lipstick gives me halitosis. Oh, God. Oh, Gemma Collins says she's got a panic room in a new £1.3 million pound home. Uh, David replied, you spelled picnic wrong. <laughs> and on the SAFC uh, Facebook, um, hot dog and a pint at St. James's Park, £10, and then they put this photograph down there, which you can see. But as Ian Russell pointed out, it was Dusseldorf Football Club. Why on earth is he bothering to do that? So somebody then did some digging on the Sunderland, uh, the Sunderland, uh, the Sunderland hot dog, and there it is. That's a that's a hot dog at Sunderland. Hot dog sausage in a burger bun. In yeah. a burger bun. God, uh, this was brilliant. Uh, Jacob von Hogflum's uh, blue plaque outside the house, 1864 to 1909, inventor of time travel, lived here in 2189. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, that. City of Sunderland, don't book the seagulls, said Jimmy. <laughs> and a new Netflix uh, series coming out um, from Sisters to Seagulls. Oh, God. <laughs> Gosh. And Paul Whitfield, thanks for that. I've seen that knocking around in various guises. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when your side chick wants to take a pick, but you're protected by the Lord God himself. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and this one from Jimmy. A thing I know what I want for dinner. Order three ways online. <laughs> oh, and thanks to Jimmy for this one. I think God wants me to pet this cat. <laughs> uh, one Spurs one in here. Can we have another ball? What's wrong with the one we have? Newcastle are playing with that one, said Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's going to buy all his ball friends this t shirt, says Jimmy. <laughs> Gee, me, we'll, we'll get one of them, Steve. Me and you, Keith, yeah. Uh, Stuart Penman uh, asked me to put this one up. Missing person. If anyone sees this man, please do not approach. He is very upset and may cry. Uh, that's a Spurs fan. He was uh, sitting with uh, Stu watching the match. Uh, goes by the pseudonym of Roger. <laughs> he went 2-0. I 2 nearly downed his drink and walked out. And everybody thought he's just been a drama queen. Then they saw his car speeding down the road. And then by the time he got home, there were five down and he was even less happy. <laughs> Brighton have confirmed that if Sunderland get promoted, they'll not be sending away fans to the Stadium of Light next season. The spokesman for the Seagulls said they aren't taking any chances. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some Arsenal crumble in the uh, dessert rack. And they did. And they certainly did. And... This one. Isn't this the best birthday card in the world from my 10-year-old daughter? I'm ready for training Big Dan Burn. says, happy birthday to the best dad ever. And then it puts in the writing that the girl's done. Happy birthday, Daddy. I love you lots and lots. And you are the only person who can beat Dan Burn. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, that. And uh, the final one this week. Uh, no, no, I've got a couple more. Uh, this one from Johnny. 
We should sell 10-minute section tickets to away fans so they can pop in have a moan and then leave. Uh, they're going to have to get used to it. <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you, Johnny. That was nominated by Keith. Um, got a couple more, yeah. The one on the right enjoying his neighbours declining our away end. Uh, thank you for that one, Barry. <laughs> Uh, claustrophobia is the fear of closed spaces. For example, I'm going to be, I'm going to the pub and I'm scared it'll be closed. <laughs> and poor Godfrey, uh, that bloody Isaac will be the death of me, said uh, Alan McKenzie. Uh, sub fam, I think I got the assist of the season against Spurs. Hold my BS, as Isaac. <laughs> And tweet of the week, a scouse blue tit whistling the Z car theme. You can see his song. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that one. This one. Uh, Klopp did say we've got no ceiling. As Mark, uh, Mark Gillespie takes the ceiling out at Everton last night. <laughs> and good morning. Is this the helpline for alcoholics? Yes. How do you make a mojito? Uh, <laughs> Tweet of the week's this one. It was a late entry. Thank you, Liam Kennedy, for sending this on from uh, one of his mates. If they finish in the top four, I'll come go naked down the big market, said Mick Quinn. Oh, my Get God. On, Mick. Yeah, Looking forward well. to this, Mick. Looking forward to this. At least he didn't delete it. Anyway, yeah. if you've got your tweets, send them in. Thanks to Zora for all her usual ones as well. <laughs> Okay, Keith, let's talk a little bit of politics. Uh, from our perspective, Aston Villa CEO coming out and saying that the takeover needs to be investigated. Uh, Beth Rigby was the person who was interviewing him. What was, uh, what was your take on that, mate? I mean, it's just getting boring now for me. Um, you've, got, you've, got to, you've got to look at it, what's going on. There's a... Deliberate campaign by the Big Six, now joined by Aston Villa, simply to overturn the takeover at Newcastle. That's all it is. It's a campaign, and they're lobbying the Premier League to try and do it. That was a toilet. The, the problem is, the teams that's lobbying don't know what the Premier League asked for. They don't know what, they, they don't know what terms they set down to Newcastle before they pass the takeover. They're just guessing. And the Premier League can't tell them what they did because it's private and confidential. So the, the chairman or the CEO of Aston Villa is purely guessing at what's in the agreement from the Premier League to why they signed Newcastle Day Love. He's purely guessing. He's on a fishing expedition. And he's trying to find out what terms the Premier League gave Newcastle. Because the only way they can overturn the takeover is if we've changed in something we've done. So what he's doing is he's getting big reporters in. And it's amazing how Sky will interview these people, but they won't interview the people who support the Newcastle takeover. The golf case in America has nothing at all to do with Newcastle United ownership. So there's nothing being discovered or found in America in any court case that in any way affects the takeover of Newcastle, and Nick DeMarco's confirmed as such, and he's seen the whole case. If Newcastle agreed that Saudi state would not control the football club, 
they don't own any more today than what they did then. So if they pass the Saudis to take this on in October 21, the Saudis haven't controlled it anymore since that day. And that's the legal, that's the legal angle. They, 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 they've got the same control, if you want to call it, or ownership or percentage now as they had then. So if it was legal then, it's legal now and nothing's changed. The ownership has employed executives like Darren Eales, Silverson, and other people like that, Dan Ashworth, to run the football club and the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and running the football club, if that's in the terms. If I'd interviewed the Aston Villa director, and as he said to him, look, you're obviously getting arsy about this, and you're obviously fancying your chances of getting further up the Premier League, and you see somebody calling you Cassie United, which is obviously going to stop you getting where you want to get. So based on that, why don't you put your evidence down, clear evidence of what you've got that suggests Newcastle United are breaching the terms in which the takeover was passed? If you asked him to do that, he would deliver absolutely nothing because he is just fishing. The reason they've got nothing is being proven. The reason that Aston Villa and the Big Six and the other 14, if you want, the 19 clubs in the Premier League have got nothing on Newcastle was proven the week after the takeover when they called an emergency meeting with the Premier League, of which Newcastle weren't invited to, and they asked what the takeover was passed for and on what grounds. Well, if they'd known what was happening, they would have just said, it's wrong because of X, Y, and Z, but they didn't. They went along and complained that it shouldn't have been passed, but they didn't know why it had been passed. And they still don't know what this did. And the Premier League weren't allowed to tell them. In the same way that the Premier League has never explained to clubs why Crystal Palace has shareholders in a Delaware company which are hidden. So you can't question our directors who are up front because Crystal Palace are hidden. But the Premier League hasn't explained to the other clubs, the other members, why Crystal Palace allowed hidden directors. What we've got to not lose sight of is if Aston Villa joined the likes of Spurs and Man United, Liverpool, who've been vociferous in trying to stop the growth of Newcastle, there's a huge risk that will amount to something called collective lobbying, where one or more people group up and try and slow the growth in the club, which namely is Newcastle United. There's actual written letters on record in files with King's Council where illegal collective lobbying has taken place against the takeover of Newcastle 18 months ago. We paid six figures to a QC, now a KC, since the Queen died, to gain counsel or gain legal proof that what they've done against Newcastle is illegal. It's illegal to group together to stop the growth of one company. The people told NCSL that, the legal team told NCSL that four of the points we raised out of the six were unstoppable. You couldn't stop them. Since that date, there's been more examples, and I'll quote one here, when Man United refused to trade with only Newcastle on players, shown on Hennessy, Lingard and others. They just refused to trade and they singled Newcastle out and wouldn't deal with them. 
if you do that and you single one club out, but you'll trade with others, that too is illegal to, to, to collude against one club's yeah. growth. Going back to those claims, they said four of them were unbeatable. My belief it's bigger. And my advice to the big six at Aston Villa and behind sports and Sky Sports is to come from behind your keyboards, put your microphones down, collate your hard evidence, real evidence, not bullshit where you think you guess that some court case about some golf has got anything to do with Newcastle. Just put it down in black and white as hard evidence and then back your balls up. Show us how big your balls are and take Newcastle to court. Take them to court once and for all and challenge them in the courts that they've illegally got to take over. When you do that, you will lose. And the reason you'll lose is that Newcastle haven't changed anything since the takeover was passed. For you to get that takeover stopped, you've got to prove that it was passed on the 7th of October 21, and we sit here today on the 28th of April 23, and something's changed, but nothing has changed. Everybody knows nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is that little club in the north that wasn't supposed to do very well has done way better than everybody else. It's pissed on the conflicts of everybody out there. And it's submerging clubs that's a billion in debt. It's smashing through the doors of the Spurs, billion in debt, wanting three and a half billion to sell. Man United, billion in debt, wanting six billion to sell. Little old Newcastle, 305 million. Probably with a value now one and a half billion, probably increased fivefold. But the biggest thing they've done is they've crashed into Champions League places. So now Newcastle look like they'll finish third or fourth. And that is what all this is about. This is a jealousy thing. This is the big six feeling they've lost their entitlement. And this is the wannabes, you know, once was Everton, believe it or not, but the Aston Villas of the world that start to gain something, coming forward and saying Newcastle are blocking passage for them to gain the money. So... If they want to take Newcastle to court, two things will happen. One is they'll have to prove that something has materially legally changed since the 7th of October 21. And we all know it hasn't. We all know PIF have done nothing different and have run the club no more different this month than what they did back in October. So they'll lose that case. Second thing is they will open a door for Newcastle to say what you're doing is anti-competitive. And all the evidence, which still remains active and, and real, which I've seen with these eyes, which a KC has said to me, that will win, gets the chance to run out. Newcastle will have the chance to run that evidence out and take this group of people that's colluding illegally against Newcastle to court. So I think it's a case of put up or shut up. If your balls are big, put your money down. And if you do, Piff will put theirs down. And... Piff aren't going backwards. Piff aren't walking away from this. Piff have probably, on guesstimates, increased their sales value fivefold. 305 million, probably to one and a half billion now. Especially if Spurs think they're worth three and a half and Magnet think they're worth six. Newcastle fans need to just laugh it off. It's wind, it's jealousy, and it's envy. It's, it's jealousy, the whole thing. Just laugh it off. Um, if it's coming, it will come. If, if they're going to build a group together and take us on, we'll not stop it. It'll happen. It'll come out in court. But how are they going to run it? Because 
they're going to have to join together to run a case against Newcastle and doing that's illegal. So it's going to be it's going to be a bizarre case to watch. But call me warped, call me kinky, call me mad. I'd love to see it run. I'd love to see it run. I'd love to see them defend the actual real hard evidence I've seen and I've had on my computer. So stop talking, stop worrying fans, stop playing with our mental health, stop being jealous and bitter and just let your castle grow because that's what we're doing. And the last thing is, if it comes, we will win. And if we win, it'll open the gates in football for your castle to dramatically grow faster than what we're currently being allowed to do at the moment. Neil, you've nodded all the way through that, mate. Yep. And and I'm not going to add anything more to that. It's very eloquently put that forward. What I will add is my own little thoughts. Initially about Mr. Perslow, who used to work for Liverpool, remember? And was quite happy to take Roman Abramovich's money at Chelsea for a period of time when he negotiated some out of nowhere and 900 million yeah. shirt sponsorship deal with Nike for Mr. Abramovich. And I'm sure he was well rewarded with Mr. Abramovich's money that he was happy to take at the time. Dead right. And so, hypocrisy, yeah. But let's also look at the timing of this. And the timing's not accidental, I don't think. Today is number three deadline day for the Man United bids to go in. So for me, today's the day we either find out that Sheikh Jassim's 9-2 foundation is a total figment of his imagination, which is what I believe. Or it's been hastily put together by the Qatari government and people want to point fingers at Newcastle United and say, they're the bad guys, we're okay. The bad guys are there, they're still there in Saudi. It's not us. The timing's not accidental. The timing's not accidental at all, in my opinion. This helps them chuck smoke screens and mirrors around um, to make us number one, enemy number one in the minds of the public going forward in football when there's far more murky things happening in the background. Um, I've alluded to on Twitter a couple of times about a WhatsApp I sent you, a few of you guys. I think it's fair to say I've got nearly every damn thing right in that WhatsApp bar one thing. Um, I even called that somebody who chuck their toes out of the cot and say the whole bidding process was a farce and walk away. I just didn't think it would be finished, lunatic. I thought he would be hanging around like a bad smell still. Um, but either way, um, I think today's the day we'll find out what's really going on there in terms of bids for Man United. And I think this is a nice little... We are a nice little, oh, look, a squirrel distraction to keep, to keep everything in the minds of the public that the bad guys come from Saudi and we're the bad guys and we have been all along. And it distracts. The timing's not accidental. I really don't believe that. And everything Keith has said, you can endorse 100%. If you want to bring it on, let's bring it on. But then the other thing the Premier League have to do is go back to Man City to ask the same question. Because, and, and then what happens there? The Premier League, for me, have already bottled it with Man City. They've got, what, 100 charges over a five- to six-year period that they want to talk about? 
Yet nobody seems to be talking about them. Good God, they can't even apply their own rules to Everton. They've had to refer Everton to an independent commission to decide what to do with them breaking FFP. Oh, and while I'm on about FFP, Christian Personal, CEO of Aston Villa, during his time at Aston Villa, they've lost a million a month under his direction. How are they avoiding FFP investigation? It's a week. Is it a week, is it? Jesus wept. Right, okay, million a week over that period of time. And yet they're getting away with nobody's asking questions about FFP with it. What's going on there? There's certainly a rabbit off somewhere. So, you know, we're just a convenient distraction when somebody wants to point fingers. I don't think the timing's accidental, and I think the bloke's an absolute hypocrite. That's what I think. Steve? He's playing he's playing two or three hands at once here. He's he's playing the court of of fans' opinion. Um and that's every fan other than a Newcastle United fan, certainly to his own fans, because he's trying to he's trying to rock up something that doesn't exist. Um I think he's whipping something up because he wants fan groups of all the other Premier League clubs to get behind some sort of challenge. Not be taken on by the Premier League, but will be taken on by the football regulator when he comes in. And I think he's playing a clever little game because I, I suspect that, well, we know for a fact that the, the Premier League board themselves are not keen on the football regulator and the independence of this football regulator is supposed to be coming in um, in the white paper. And I think from what, what I've been reading, we're actually going to get a kind of shadow football regulator There'll be an organisation that will sit behind while they get the legislation in place. And I think it's kind of throwing a, throwing a rat into, into a barrel here for the fans to, to try and whip something up that the regulator can, can take the task. And uh, not being funny, but it, it, it smacks to me of a bit of a bear trap for the regulator if they did do that, um, especially when you listen to what Keith's saying. Uh, it's not the clubs that are wanting to do it, but I think they're I think they're wanting to be seen to be doing something, but they're frightened to do it. So they're hoping somebody else will take us along, and if they lose, it's somebody else who gets the backside kicked. Um, and if it's the regulator, then maybe it's the thinking the regulator will get so far, and then the government will intervene and say, no, no, you can't go down that path. And then there's some sort of political argument that that occurs, and then that acts as a sort of buffer or something that then delays the white paper, perhaps. Who knows? Because I think there's games get played within games within the within the Premier League, within the owners of the Premier League. And I, I, I feel as though, as Keith says, with, with the, they want to fight, but they, can't, they don't know what they're fighting. And when they get in there, they suddenly find out that, you know, it, it wasn't the fight that they, that, they, that they could possibly ever win. But they'll try and they'll try and push somebody else to the front and do that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the the path that that these sort of conversations that the likes of Perslow and, and other people, Perslow of course was the head of I think was he head of Deutsche Bank um, investment partners or something when he, before he took the Liverpool job. I think I think Deutsche Bank are a bit dodgy, aren't they? Which uh, not standard chartered. Either way, they're dodgy or not. I think they're the most corrupt bank that, that ever existed. Um, I think they're I think they're a bank which only about three or four years ago were were found to have been so corrupt during the the goings on of two thousand seven two thousand and eight that they ended up paying 
billions and billions of pounds in compensation. Um, you know, so these these guys play in high finance and they think that they can they can rule the roost on everything. But he's he's out of his depth on this one. He just needs to shut up, concentrate on his own club instead of wanting to have conversations about other people's. I don't I don't hear Amanda coming out and talking about Aston Villa. I don't hear um, Mia Dad and Jamie Rubin coming out and talking about Liverpool or, or Arsenal like, unless they're saying decent things about the quality of the football that they might be playing. You know, we don't get involved in 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 the or, histrionics of, of or even yeah, Chris, Crystal Palace, who Keith quite rightly says has yep. Delaware company owners that nobody knows who they are. Yeah, it could it could be bloody Paul Pot. <laughs> could well be, and Crystal Palace are a club who who are run by and controlled by Steve Parish, who's the one of the main contenders in this uh, alternative European group, isn't he? Um, that's come out that's challenging the uh, the European Clubs Association because he thinks there should be more stay, say in, in what's going on financially. Um, and he's worried. He's worried. I, I listened to Simon Jordan was, and, and, and the rest of them on Talk Sport and they were saying how much um, he's, he's really concerned about the finances of, of clubs and not getting their, their fair share from the European divvy. But at the same time, the bloke doesn't want the teams in the EFL to get a fair share of the Premier League divvy. So it's a different ball game. And they, and they come out in the this is this is the hypocrisy of, of people who run football clubs. They open their mouths before they engage their brain. George, your views? Well, um first thing I I do when somebody goes on like that, uh, the CEO, I think, well, What's he doing? Is he doing it from a position of strength or is he doing it for nefarious reasons? Or is he worried that somebody's, somebody's going to look at his club and see what he's doing and see where his owner gets that money from? And it could, it could be the latter because as soon as you dig, it doesn't take you half an hour to find the connections with Abramovich and uh, the Liverpool connection and the banking connection. And you immediately think, well, this is a 24-carat uh, hypocrite. Uh, talking about nothing. And then you go into the finance side of it, and uh, Kevin Maguire from Liverpool Finance, he produced the histogram of Aston Villa's losses. And uh, he says that it's a million a week, not, not a month. And it's got worse since this bloke went to become CEO. Uh, so, you know, he hasn't got a position of strength at all. On the other hand, um, who are their owners? Who, who owns Aston Villa? What do they do? Where do they get that money from? Uh, that that was the next way I was going to go, but I, I'm sure I could find that out uh, like you lads could. But it seems to me that when it's, somebody gets nervous... It's, it's, like a, it's actually, means, Dad, it's, it's, it's an Egyptian billionaire and an American billionaire. Right, okay. So, yeah, I mean, is all that money going to be clean? Is all that money going to be clean? Not a chance. Not a chance. And uh, if you dig too deep, you're, you're going to turn up all sorts of things. And uh, the net result is, is that uh, I think uh, one of the, his problems is he's as nervous as anybody that somebody will do some digging and that uh, his his job and his club will be on the line like, like the others. But I, I agree with Neil. I don't think it's an accident. This is, this is somebody wanting to be in the big six, trying he thinks by saying these things that will help them to be part of the big six. Actually, I think he'll suddenly find that what he's brought up 
people like Manchester City and their owners are a bit straighter than that. And they will despise him for, for what he's saying, in my view, because they know the end, end result of what, what he's proposing is, is a disaster for football, not just not just for Newcastle United. It's a disaster for football if it comes out. So, yeah, I, uh, it just an empty vessel making a lot of noise as usual. But I think with the purpose is to uh, ingratiate himself with the big six. Mm. Uh, Barry Hogan, I've just seen that news actually as well. Yeah, Joe Pedro at Watford saying the pre-transfer window contract were breaking. I thought he might have come our way. Yeah, but I think there's bigger things and bigger players ahead for Newcastle, Barry. I wouldn't get too yeah. uh, too upset about that. Okay, uh, wow, tonight has flown over. Nearly 600 watching live. Uh, we always say it, we never take it for granted. Thanks very much for tuning in tonight. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, spend a Friday uh, evening with the lads and with you guys. Okay, I've got half an hour left. I suppose we'll better go for the two lookalikes. Did I just hear you say, oh no, Steve? No, I said, here we go. <laughs> here we go. go. I've just seen your, re- I actually saw your Twitter account, those of you who don't know Steve's Twitter handle, Old Hatonian, on uh, Twitter. He's now got a photo of a dog on there, which I think is just coming round to this now. I presume it's your dog, Steve, is it? <laughs> It's our, that was our dog, yeah. I've it got, was I've your dog, that's right. Yeah. I thought I'd wait and see how long before we twigged on. I saw it today. <laughs> I saw it yesterday. All right. Uh, <laughs> got a couple of these sent in from Keith Patterson. Uh, no, right? no, it wasn't. It's of Jimmy. Jimmy from America. Yeah, but via you, via you, Keith. I don't know what he said, Keith. He could have said, he could have said, he could have said, he could have said, he Andy doesn't give a. That's pretty good, that Steve. Actually, at least it's not okay. a dog. I submitted this one, Steve. I just saw this and thought of you. You and me what? out and night out in the early days. <laughs> That's you on the left. Steve. Back to the best ones, though. Ian Edgar, isn't he adorable, yeah, Steve? Hasty. Back to Crofts. Back to Crofts. Ian Edgar as well sent these ones. A, a vast array of dogs. <laughs> Actually, Ian has been busy this week, isn't it? Not me. That one, that one the top left looks like you. You can't get away from it. Hey, you know, and the one in the bottom right, and the one in the top left, right, no, no. and the one in the bottom. Yeah, I, I think the one in the top right, the teeth just don't look right. Top uh, you left, know. top left, you got your barber. Yeah. Um, thanks for this one. It even strides out like Steve Asty. What the hell is this? Just really chicken or something? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, this is great. Uh, Albert says, Hasty was overjoyed today. <laughs> and somebody sent us one. Uh, somebody sent us one. I'm not, um, did I get time to load this? Hold on. I've got to zoom down now because I don't want, because if not, I'm going to have to use this photo. I, get, I got that many in this week that I, I don't know whether I've got. Um, no, I haven't. So somebody who will remain nameless, I can't remember them unless, it's, unless it turns up, says, Keith, they said Keith Patterson's put the pounds on. In the background there, can you see Keith with his two hands? You know what, Steve? I thought that, you know, Angie, I thought that was Angie, did you, when you saw the picture? I did, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be fantastic if it was. Anyway, fantastic it wasn't, but uh, that wasn't Keith Patterson and it wasn't Steve Hasty either. Um, This one. Oh, dear me. Any new ones on there, Steve? They're all new, they're all new to me. Top left, here's the eyes. Sam Trimmerfield, thank you, mate. Steve Hasty with his new toy. 
<laughs> pretty close for that. Oh. I'm a bit worried about the, the website that uh, Chipper goes to to get these photographs, unless he's yeah, out, out in Salt and Harbour. I think Chipper goes to a special website. Two I'm sure he does. does. Tasty's yeah. match wall tribute. Oh, man. Oh. And Tasty's <laughs> tribute. Listen to him. Listen to him. There's Steve on the phone on the far left. Rita, you can leave us out if you want. I don't mind. Uh, this one from Sam Shipperfield. Been to the cinema and seen Hasty in a horror film. Yep. Thanks, Sam. And Mitch says, guess who? <laughs> Was this Steve Hasty? Yeah. Yeah. I never had that shopping. Shopping, picking on you, man. Funny looking dog, Steve. Mr. Hasty. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very funny looking. Yeah. Could you imagine a dog with a haircut like that? And thanks to Jimmy. Steve Hasty dreaming of lookalikes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder man. if Mr. Hasty would like this one. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Some new faces chucking some new stuff in. Thank you, uh, everybody, for your lookalikes. Uh, this one, uh, Burra Mag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks to Tom Dixon for this one. Very good. Oh, my God, that's brilliant. Oh, that's good. Uh, with, with we're playing Everton this week, someone chucked Neville Southall into the mix in the middle there. Darren? Uh, yeah. <laughs> good old Darren. Love Darren. He'll love it because he's part of the lookalikes. Mitch uh, trying his new outfit on. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, that, David. Very good. Um, it, it, it's why we've started the Captain Vicky Trauma Centre for any any seabird, be that a gull or a tern or even a shag who've been disturbed by recent incidents. <laughs> Will Farrell and uh, Will Farrell, sorry, two look like he, um, uh, Matt Ritchie. And very good, yeah. <laughs> Murphy and the hippo. <laughs> Willie Mullins and Jamie Vardy. That's very good. That is good. All right. Yeah. Into the, biz into the business end now, lads. Keegan. A young, a young Keegan. Good comparison, that. Is that Frank Skinner? Frank Skinner, yeah. Aye. Uh, there it is. War Keith seems to have put some beef on during his holidays, but he clearly appreciates <laughs> Nana. Thanks, David Cook. I found it. Your Nana Keith. <laughs> Elon Musk and Kathy Bates. Oh, hey, that is good, that. Excellent, that, isn't it? Oh, that was good. The dog's like. Yeah. Excellent. Good up, man. John McGinn. <laughs> and a cushy lookalike from Barry. Alba Lead and <laughs> David Jason. Yeah, Del Boy. Friday lookalike, Vigo from Ghostbusters and Harland. That's brilliant, that. There's going to be loads of these now, isn't there? Yep. And Sam Smith looked familiar, says Rocky 2. Mick Jones of The Clash and Matt Hancock. I've bought that one for a while. I, I, I agree, yes. Excellent, that, Paparazzi. Yeah. Thank you. Well spotted. 
Van Gogh and Ericsson. Brilliant. That's yeah, brilliant. Good that. one. Good yes. one. John, nice one. Superb. Good one. And this one, Mitch and the airplane. <laughs> 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 That's cracking, that one. <laughs> Jordan Heston and Harry Kane from Tom Dixon. I can see that. I can see that. You yeah. did it, you fools. Both be cheats. And look at Modric and Wurzel Gummidge from Rita. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And from Jacob, Joel Linton and Joby Makanoff. Looks more like Johnny Allen. Yeah, yeah. John, Johnny Allen, yeah. Maybe Johnny Allen. Ethan Pinnock and Snoop Dogg from Rita. Johnny Allen again. Mm. And a possible winner of a tune lookalike. It's not the winner 100% mags, but it's a good one. <laughs> Similar stance, but not. there's a few ahead of you. Uh, Stuart Atwell and EastEnders and Bill actor Todd Carty. Yes. Uh, yes. Very good. Yeah. That. Hackman and Scolari. Very yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, they're both Scolari, sadly, I think. Yeah, I thought they were. The dogs, dogs are much more interesting than that. Hackman, I can see where you're coming from, though. <laughs> good job I know what Hackman looks like. Alexander yeah. Isaac scoring a cheeky goal. And uh, Super Captain Harry Maguire in their 60 million midfielder after Sevilla. So, yeah, there's quite a few. That it's, it's a footballer kind of stance, that. But I can see where he's all coming from. Yes, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, not the winner. Uh, well, somebody going for a combo. Uh, Street Fighter theme lookalike. Toon Stato and Zangief. Bison and Mitch. Mitch. Sagat and Keith. And Steve and Darlism. Who the hell is Sagat? Uh, He's well, a character in Street Fighter, mate. Street Fighters? Yeah. Very good, yeah. It's well, a video a game, Keith. It's using your initiative to do yeah, need to get down with the kids. Shia LaBeouf and Karim Benzema. Yeah. Not bad, not bad, bad Dougie. Yeah. And Errol Flynn and Olivier Giroud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you had a bit of a tashy, would be rigor. Yeah, very good, this. Uh, Bill Ward, former Coronation Street bad guy, and Robert Patrick from Terminator 2. That's excellent, that. Yeah, that's really good. Not in the top three, though. Top three, a pamster. I've just spotted ET at the shops. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. I, I need to see the front of ET next. Number two, Mo Salah and the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh, my god, what a comparison! That's good, that like. It is. No, and number one, Harland and Gollum. 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 <laughs> I knew that that would be there. And what yeah. it is, is he wearing? Looks like he's wearing a hey. nappy. Oh, <laughs> is he? Look at that. What is that? <laughs> what a clip. He really there's is. Less, there's less ballroom in there than what's in black. He looks, like, he looks a beast on the pitch. There's no, yeah. there's not a picking on him. Nothing on him. Nothing skinny on him. ribbons. Yeah. Skinny ribbons. Okay, thanks for sending them in. Get them dogs in. There wasn't enough. <laughs> okay, Newcastle United are in Southampton in a non-televised game this Sunday, two o'clock. 
and uh, St James's Park, as you would imagine, is uh, full to capacity. Uh, Southampton didn't take all their allocations. Seventeen hundred tickets is what they had taken for this game. No, the wonder I wouldn't want to watch Southampton away in Newcastle either. Not in current form for both teams. Um, no pre-match press conference as such. Uh, Eddie Howe did have a, a little one after the game, as, as is the norm when they go from a, a midweek game into a weekend game. Um, we just know that the ASM uh, is not going to be available for Newcastle United uh, this weekend. Will he play again is the big question for Newcastle. Uh, who knows? Anthony Taylor referees uh, the game. This is his second um, game for us. Uh, the first was the 2-0 home defeat by uh, uh, Liverpool when Nick Pope was sent off. And on VAR is Robert Jones. You will find Supermac at the Dog and Parrot at 12 and at 4.45. You'll find Gibbo and Ando at Pumphreys at 12 before the game. And this, uh, really, lads, is, is a big opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to carry on this new run that we found ourselves on. So, Keith, first of all, how important is this game? Um you know, in the grand scheme of things, four wins, I believe, and, and we're you know we're champions place, champions league place is secure. But interesting fixtures this weekend, especially Aston Villa, Manchester United, Aston Villa travelling to Old Trafford. It's massively important because um, don't underestimate that when you start the season next year, that if you get fourth, you go into the playoffs of the Champions League, and you get third, and you're you're into the you're you're into the bigger um, money straight away. Uh, I know everyone wants to get group stages, but the, you know you've seen teams that's come forth in the past and they've got knocked out early on, and you think, well, what was all that season about to get to get put out? So there is a big, there's a big difference in the in the in the position and the, the prize chances by getting third rather than fourth. I think we can do it. We're two points ahead of them. We've got a game in hand. They're not playing well. Um, if you think what we destroyed Spurs last week and Man United give a two goal away. To go lead away. Um, Spurs aren't going to catch us. Liverpool aren't going to catch us. Villa, Brighton, not in the running. It's between now, between us and Man United, who gets third. Um, and Newcastle, um, it's massively important. This you, you give this a game away, or you let Southampton fight for the life and win, and you've just given you know, all that effort away on, on, on uh, last night. So it's a huge game. Um, but they all are, you know, we're going to play Leicester's and Leeds. And, Brighton's the all big, big games. I think we can turn Arsenal over at home now after what I saw against Man City the other night. This, this team can, can do anything against anybody. If, if there's one team in that Premier League or give this team room for money, it's Man City. But, but I think we should have beat them at the start of the season. And I think now we're in a position where next season, put three additions in and a couple of fringe players, then we'll be up there. We'll be challenging them because Eddie Howe's getting the best out of his players. Southampton come tomorrow, they're not in the same, they're not in the same ballpark as Newcastle. Newcastle should start exactly like they did. I think every team that comes to Newcastle now is going to start like Everton started last night. I think every team have, have seen that's the only way to stand close to them is to go at them and run them and press them. But Mitch just said earlier on, he says, it's all right doing it and starting it, but an hour later you're knackered, you're blown through your arse. And, and, and you just sit there and think, well, that was a good plan for 90, for 60 minutes. But, you know, it, when they look at the bench and they see all oh, the sub going on, or oh, they bring an Isaac on, and you look at, like, like that, imagine Dan Byrne coming on, you know, six foot seven coming on, kicking lumps out, yeah, when you think you've done a decent job against Target. 
it's the, it's, it's the power of the bench that's, that's made the difference with Newcastle since, since the World Club because we started slow and we started picking it up. But Sunday, we're going to have too much for them. We'll win 4-0. Um, and and I'll be, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't start with Isaac because I think he's got a good arrangement between the two of them. That at some stage, he might start them both on Sunday. I don't know, but I see him starting with Isaac and then bringing Wilson on. And I think he's thinking, well, I dropped Isaac after two two goals, and I've just I can do the same with Wilson. And I think he's breeding a great culture. You know what I mean? I saw when Isaac did what he did, and then Wilson come and jumped on his back and he was whispering to him and congratulating him. And then when he did his interview afterwards, Wilson was praising Isaac and praising and saying that he's a different type of player. You know, Wilson is an out and out um, you know, in the box goal stock or in He's like, got so much more to give in other areas, you know, outside the box, creating down both wings, everything. He's just, he's just, he's just a marvelous footballer. Um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful and, and optimistic, um, and and it's just simple. It's, it doesn't take a genius. Stevie Wonder said he said this is like it's just press, overturn, and fight. That's all Newcastle do. Just press, 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 overturn the ball so much that nobody gets any momentum. And when they do it, it's just brilliant. It just, we're just so hard to beat. And then you just fight for everything. And You'll not get a bigger fight than you did at the start against Everton. That was vicious. That was hard. There was a lot of challenges weren't pulled. It should have been pulled. Yeah. A lot of fouls went. There was a clear blatant penalty on Sean Longstaff. And then when the goalkeeper's trying to push somebody out of play, really pushing somebody out of play in the box? Well... Tell us where in the rule book that is allowed to touch the other player and roll them out the player. But he was fouled before that. Um, but we're not going to get nothing off VAR. And I think what Newcastle has done, they've got the policy that if you can't beat them, just batter them. And so I think Southampton will get battered on Sunday. You've gone 4 0 then. I'm, I'm going to do a. I'm, I'm, because of the Heeds bet, uh, the last two bets, the 5 1, I'm going to put a quid on 5 1. I'm going to put a quid on 10 nil. You don't um, mind throwing it about, do you? You don't mind. Well, a quid. Putting a few quid out. A quid. A quid each. Well, I'm going to go for Newcastle to beat the Premier League, Premier League record at the weekend. Why not? Hey, there's a time, there's a time for Newcastle to do it. Minana puts 250 on stake. Can I do each way? <laughs> 50 pence each way. <laughs> up and down shift a double. Definitely. I've just got, um, I've got to apologise to these ad- I've been looking at a lot of people saying about the adverts. What's happened is YouTube every now and then changed things. I noticed there'd been something changed. I didn't quite know what it was and I haven't had an email notification, but apparently what they're doing is they're now adding ads into the into live broadcast, which they normally just do on the pre-record. So I can opt out but because I've only seen it now and people have said, why is there all these ads? Um, I can only opt out once the programme's finished. So uh, I will do that, folks, so don't panic. Uh, Tom Dixon's also asking where Joe is. Um, he's at the school with his daughter tonight, so he couldn't make it, unfortunately, tonight. He passes on his uh, apologies. Halfie Steve W.I. said 10 nil uh, as well. Yeah, OK, yeah, 50 pence each. It saves me 50 pence. That's great. Um, let's let's do it, Moza. Um Before I come to Mitch, um, let's chuck in uh, Toon Statter, who did submit his video. And I've just managed to load it.
Hello guys, what incredible couple of last games. I'm running out of stats, so actually the stats are so many that a couple of minutes are not enough. The team is flying. We have 62 points from 32 games and we have had only one season with better points tally after 32 games. Is the legendary 95-96 season in the Premier League when we had 30, 67 points after the 32 games. You might remember that we finished at 78. If we win our last remaining six games, we are on course to finish with 80, which can be our best ever season in the Premier League out of 38 games and in total. When it comes to away games, we have already won eight, and uh, we have done so only in three previous seasons, back in 93-94, when we played in total 21 games, 2001-2002, and 2011-2012. We still have three away games remaining, so we might as well beat our best ever performance of nine wins in a season. When it comes to goals, we have scored 29 goals away from home so far after the Everton demolishment. And so far the record was 27 in two seasons, 2011-12 and 2002-2003. When it comes to Southampton, we've already beaten them three times this season. And uh, they might become the first club we beat four times in a single season for a long, long time. I need to check since when. But the funny thing is that... It will be the third manager that faces us in Ruben Seles. We've already beaten the Saints with Ralph Hasenhutel in his last game for them and twice with Nathan Jones in the League Cup. So, a legendary season in the making. Let's enjoy it. Hawaii the lads. Up the Champions League we will go. I love it. Uh, thanks, Andre. As always, uh, Mother's going to send that 50 pence via Bitcoin. That's great. Can I get tax relief on that, Jules? Check that up for us. Uh, Mitch, <laughs> great. what's your view? Couple, couple, things, couple things before I come to the game. One, that thing about shirt sponsorship. I had a discussion with somebody last night who asked us to keep the gob shut, and believe it or not, I can sometimes. Um, saying that we had a 22 million offer on the table, but we were in discussion with somebody associated with a lot of the shopping malls, etc., out here in the Middle East in discussions about shirt sponsorship at 25. If that's the deal they're talking about, that's huge. It's huge for this region. And it's huge for us in terms of exposure in the Gulf. While you're on about that, Mitch, can I just jump in? Because I will forget. The Castori, we may have seen the new designs. There's another green shirt in there. He says the away strip is... The same as the one we've got this season, the dark blue, like the dark blue kind of yellowy one. Not much difference. There's a slight change to the colour on the home strip, but he's also he also reckons the Castoria. We've got Castoria for a while yet, um, because yeah. of the deal done by the previous owner, and that the previous yeah. owner has definitely got an in with Castoria. Um, and the deal to get out of that is is not worth buying out. So Newcastle no. are just going to have to sit with it. But what you're saying about the shirt sponsor, I've got to be honest, we have not we didn't have time to have a chat beforehand, but I've heard similar myself with regards right. to that. Yeah, it, I think it's huge for the region and huge for us, if it's who I think it is. So right. that was a good discussion last night. Um, the other thing we've got going on at the minute is ESM, going on to social media, seemingly uh, producing images and videos that are contrary to what the manager is saying. What's going on? I don't know. I, I'm being privy to certain conversations, but um, it disappoints me because here we are talking flying high, 
We want him involved. We want him involved at the top level. We want him fit and ready to go. And yet that seems to be, why bother going on the social media to post something contrary to what the manager seems to be saying? So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if Steve's heard anything he might be able to elaborate in a bit. Um, so that's the other thing. On to Southampton, um, I've seen the best and the worst of them over the last couple of weeks. Um, they were fantastic for 88 minutes against Arsenal and then were horrendous against Bournemouth. Um, and they seem to be the classic Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get once you open it up. Um, I just hope we can open, open them up the way we've opened Tottenham and, and Everton up over the last week. They're certainly there for the taking. I suspect they're one of these teams that plays on confidence. If you can get on top of them early and bang something in early, the heads will go down and they'll dissolve like uh, like candy floss in a puddle. And so I think that's that's where we're going to go. Um, I can't say anything other than a win personally, but I've got the dice, of course. And the dice says a penman. Well, hey, 3-1. Very good. Very okay, good. Steve, what about you? Right. Um, oh, dear, where, where do you start with a Southampton? I mean, we've played them three times. It's the fourth time we've played them this season. Uh, the, the two League Cup games where we dominated. Um, you're, you're right, Mitch. They are, they are Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You don't know what you're getting. Um, in reality, though, they're rock bottom in the league because they're rubbish. They're, they're a club in crisis. They've been a club in crisis for quite a number of seasons now that's gone under the radar because people haven't talked about it. They haven't talked about the fact that, you know, from the day that their the Swiss owner, I think he was Swiss, died and left the club to his daughter, it seemed to suddenly become um, as though as though the club was just going to be picked apart gradually. I mean, I think there's, there's something like six or seven hundred million pounds worth of players uh, that they've got it's, rid of. It, it, it was of... the, the former guy from Liebherr, wasn't it? Liebherr, right, the yes. Koreans people. And I think yeah. the daughter's still on the board in some capacity. I think does she still own 20%? I think, she, I think she owns a minority stake, yes. But I mean, the, the, the amount of, when you look at the players dotted around the Premier League that played for them, that went on, that have gone on to have amazing careers and Spurs were held up. Uh, eh, sorry, Southampton were held up as one of the one of the clubs to look at from the way that they were managed and stuff like that. There's a few clubs dotted around the Premier League now where everybody's saying, "Oh, look at the way they were look. Look at the way they were managed. Look at the way they were managed." And when we were doing badly, you know, when we were struggling under Ashley, and nobody admit that Ashley was treating us badly, it was how how well these other clubs were. We should be a model of consistency. Leicester City, model of consistency. Look at the way that the club developed. You know, they won the league, they, 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 won the, they won the cup. They've got a training ground like you've never known. Um, and then it was exactly the same with Southampton. But then you look at it and you go, yeah, but they're languishing at the bottom now. They're, they're out their depth. Um, they're, they're there for the take. And you can't see United, if we've got aspirations to be in the top three, then we, we put them. We put this team to the sword on Sunday. You know, um, we, we, we certainly need to get the three points. We certainly will get the three points. But this this Newcastle are on such a high, and they must be on such a low, that that that, that you know it's not even a competition, uh, as far as I can see. I, I think that we can we can skittle these again, just like we have. I think we we played patiently, 
uh, on Thursday on Thursday night. We played on the front foot from the very start with a with the twelfth man of the crowd that got themselves wound up and were ready. And I think it'll be exactly the same this week. I think the crowd will be the twelfth man. Eddie asked for it last week. As you said, Steve, he didn't do a press conference. He just did a, a follow-on um, after uh, yesterday's one that, that was stuff for the press to talk about. But uh, I, I think that I think they're there for an absolute hammering. I'm looking forward to it. But I think we're looking forward to every game that Castaneda play at the moment. Who will Who will Eddie Howe go for? How will, will he shuffle the pack again? Um, the only guarantee is that we know that that ESM uh, won't be part of the squad. I wonder whether he's going to be part of the uh, of the team going forward. Um, I suspect not. I don't think that he fits in. There's been so much being said about about ESM uh, this season, and so much that Eddie said about him, and he wants to get the best out of him. But as Mitch says, that video, you know, put up a video of yourself on your own Instagram page of you on your own with obviously your mate video and you doing what were basically short short shuttle sprints that didn't even look. I mean, even the strides that he was taking. Uh, he wasn't stretching his hamstrings and stretching himself and running in the in the manner that that you would expect. It it looked stage managed. It looked like it was done um, after training um, with nobody there because he wanted a he wanted to make a statement. And you're right, Mitch. I think that statement was against against Eddie Howe, who had come out and said that he's not going to be around and may not even be be available until we, we get round to playing Arsenal. Um, I think it's bad practice. I think it's bad, especially when Eddie. How and uh, was so good at uh, letting them go over to France and getting treatment, taking somebody away. Um, I understand he was dragged back in midweek. Um, whether that's true or not, um, only time will tell, and only the club really know. But my understanding was that he was dragged back, kicking and screaming, um, which said to me that you know the, the the guy didn't want to be here, and now he's making a big fuss on social media because he thinks the young the young fans. Uh, it'll fall for it and are gullible, um, and I don't mean that lightly. Um, I think we've, I think we've got the makings of a really, really good squad. I think there's great, great camaraderie, and I think that the team's moving forward. And I'd be surprised if we saw uh, ASM in a black and white shirt for the rest of the season. I'm Joe, go uh, prediction five one, five one prediction, George. And then what's your views, George? And then your prediction. Well. Um... The only view I've got is about ASM, and that is the the videos I seen, probably the same ones that Steve did, is that if he's got the sort of injury that they're talking about, he's doing exactly what he shouldn't be doing. I mean, it's as simple as that. So you know, um, if if he's not making a statement, that's that's what it looks like. It's, that's what it comes across like, and that's that's sad. Um, especially as the lads have said, he was allowed to go as a favour to to go and do that. And he slaps them in the face by trying to make it look as though he's he's been singled out somehow. If you give somebody that sort of special treatment, they've got to be a very special player. Well, at the moment, all he's doing is he's a very special numpty at the moment because he's not doing any of it. Uh, and that's not good for him, not good for Newcastle, not good for the fans. So, um, sadly, ESM, you're not going to take much part of the rest of the season, in my view. As to the Southampton thing, well, they're just coming frustrated like they have the last two or three times we've played them. Um, the difference is this time we seem to have made and developed a number of keys to open the locks this time. And uh, I think uh, they'll get a run around on Sunday. And I think it'll be 5-0 uh, to us on Sunday. Um, 
they've got nothing to frighten us with. Even the ones that do uh, have something reasonable, like uh, the Scots centre forward that they've got and um, played alongside. If Alan Armstrong plays alongside them, but against Spurs the other night, they were missing. They were missing sitters, so you know um, there's nothing to fear there. So I, I think they'll just come in frustrate, and we'll just open the door and, and uh, give them a hiding. Okay, that's uh, positive. It's a positive from everybody. A couple of things to finish on. Just had an argument with the manager of McDonald's. Bloke's a total clown. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh dear. And I'm seeing Julie saying goodbye in the chat. I haven't forgotten. It's retro troll of the week. Ah, the memories of 2019. Steve Wraith might just be the most irritating, brainless twat on this platform, like. How <laughs> times have changed, Steve? Must have got what he wanted for Christmas. Sounds like, the 12th. sounds like a canny lad. Sounds like a canny lad. <laughs> Fantastic show, as always. Uh, I'm back live tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning with Ben Jacobs, and then I'm doing a pre record with Mitch and with Stu for Sunday. So I can have a day off on Sunday. Uh, for the match, Keith, you've got your hand up. Can, can you shout me bet in? There's, there's me bet. With all Go on. The, look at all the winnings I've got on there. With Newcastle, Man United draw at the minute. That's me bet at the bottom. Let's have a look. See there, twenty pound to win eight hundred and twenty thousand, and we cash out one hundred and eighty quid at the minute. So wow. Shout me bet in, and if if I win, I'm going to get a Tina Turner wig, and I'm going to get Johnny Allen one as well. Well, simply the best head. at the end of season two. Me and Johnny Allen. Classic. The little white dog. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good now, weekend, lads. See you later. Take care. See you, lads. All the best. Yeah. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and Bins. Telephone 0800 2545 253. Email inquiries at bins.com. Website com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks also to Mr Vicky's. Handmade in Cumbria, these sauces are really hot stuff. You can order them by emailing info at mrvickies.co.uk or by telephoning 01768 210102. Thanks to Neil and the guys at Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, Newcastle, and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe to the show, hit the subscribe button tonight. It is free. Hit the thumb up under the video to like the video and click share to share to your other social media. If you want to join the channel, hit join. There's three different tiers. Pick the one that suits you and help support the channel financially. If you want to pay a one-off membership fee of £25 and get these goodies, a scarf, a pen, a cup, and entry into the monthly draw, then go to NUFC Matters and look for Membership Pack. Failing that, get your smartphone and put it over the QR code and it will take you straight there.
We're also a podcast, and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and other podcast providers. Usually goes up 24 hours after the show has finished. We also support the food bank on this channel. If you want to make a virtual donation today at the Matchday Bucket, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and you can make a deposit today. Don't forget to enter the Shearer raffle. There's 150 tickets, £1 per ticket, and you can win a limited edition signed Alan Shearer ball. Enter now at nufcmatters.com. If you have a look on our website, we've also got a vast range of mugs, T-shirts, cups, and whatever else takes your fancy. The Isaac T-shirt is proven popular this month, 16.99 plus delivery from nufcmatters.com. Don't forget as well, we do a, a range of events over the course of the year. We have Peter Beardsley, an up-close and personal evening at the Time Mouse Surf Cafe. Limited tickets remain 25th of April. Get them now from surfcafetimemouth.co.uk or from ticketweb.uk. There's also an evening with Peter Beardsley on May the 19th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. And you can get tickets from newcastlelegends.com and tickets are £50. Don't forget our end of season do takes place 27th of May, 7 o'clock at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets for that one are a tenner. NUFCmatters.com is where you can get your tickets for that. In June, Thursday the 1st of June to be precise, Rob Lee will be at Louis Liquor Store in the big market in Newcastle. And tickets for that are available direct from the venue. And an evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark and John Beresford takes place the next evening on Friday the 2nd of June at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth. This is a charity event and tables are of £10, £700. And you can book them by contacting natalie at healandtour.org.uk or visiting their website. In July, Gavin Peacock is in Newcastle on July the 10th at the Tyneside Iris Centre. Tickets for that are available from nufcmatters.com. And he also... Uh, takes uh, an evening with at the Surf Cafe in Tynemouth on the 11th of July. So get your tickets direct from the venue for that one as well. And if you're a boxing fan, the Night of Champions, Ricky Hatton, Frank Bruno, Nigel Benn and Joe Calzaghi takes place at the Fed. Uh, and that will be taking place on the 16th of June. More dates to be added. Tickets from all those events, www.goldstarpromotions.co.uk.